0: Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 4 p.m. Central, which means this has to be. Hi, ma'am. Hello,
1: Fred. How are you?
0: Uh, It's it's good to be back in the office after the last couple of weeks.
1: It is good to see you there, and we are super excited to bid you all a happy Friday Eve. We've got a great show for you today. However, we have lots of people on vacation. Apparently, this is the day that everybody takes off for the long holiday. I didn't get that memo.
0: I didn't either. (laughs)
1: Um, I, I don't know how I got some short straw today, but we are here ready to bring you a great show and an amazing guest today. So I'm super lucky to be the one chosen to do this show. And we'd like to remind you all that this is Fillers of Franchising, your your uh number one resource for franchising success. And our call in number today is three two three five eight zero five eight F sorry. 5755. 5. You can tell this is usually Elizabeth's job to go to the phone number. So bear with me today in the event that I have a hiccup because normally it's Elizabeth. So welcome to the show. And Fred, you and I get to do work on the street today.
0: Okay. I, I'm primed for it because the last week or so, I spent my time with a crime-fighting superhero. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> what? <will lie. laughs> and there she is. <laughs> awesome awesome. So let's (laughs) talk about Denver. Denver University.
0: Yeah. Are you talking about the folks, um, The I'm going to screw the name up, I always do, the Linegers who founded, I think it was Remax?
1: Yes, I am. So great news on them. First of all, let me say, because we have such great guests on the show today, um, they are a Hall of Famer and the International Franchise Association, RE-MAX franchisee franchisee franchisors, um, and then they also started Motto Mortgage. And what makes them amazing people is that they have decided to give back to franchising and and to Denver University, rather, $3 million to help fund a franchise program for students and people who would like to go in and learn more about franchising.
0: Three mil is not bad. That's a, that's a nice chunk of change.
1: Well, in my eyes, I think any amount that you can give to people to help make them more educated about um, investing in their future, especially something like buying a business, or business. but obviously if you're going to make a really big mark, the more money you have, the better. And I think Denver University is very lucky to have such great donors there, and I'm sure they're going to contribute heavily in terms of um, some of the curriculum and things of that nature. Um, We know that Palm Beach Atlantic has the tightest center for franchising down there, and there are a couple other schools that do that. And um, I have to give a shout out to these these universities because, you know, it wasn't that long ago back in the 80s that it was kind of a, a lick and a prayer, and you could go by... 80s wasn't lo- a long time ago. <laughs> well, I still listen to 80s music, so was it? It doesn't. It feels. It like doesn't it. Mean...
0: So let me ask you a question about this. Given that um, you've you have in your career as a franchisee um, encountered all five of the pillars, um, okay. you haven't gone to the goal of the pillars, which is to transfer the opportunity to somewhere else. So I won't quiz you on that, but. Out of the five pillars areas, what, what topic what, or two topics would you think that uh, these, these franchising schools, we'll put it that way, uh, should most are least discussed, least informed about? What, what, should, what should they be saying, you know, these are things you need to know that most won't learn? or will only learn the hard way?
1: Well, I think that, you know, and I can't, I, I have to preface this by saying, I'm not speaking from an educated point of view because I have not seen the curriculum. So I don't want to say this and be criticized for being wrong because I very well could be, okay? So I have to preface it by the fact that I have not seen the curriculum. However, if I had to guess, I would say that they are probably light on culture and they are probably light on giving back to the community. Because if I had to guess, the initial curriculum is probably more focused on nuts simple bolts, funding, qualifying, uh, what franchise fits best, how do you find the right one, um, how do you do the due diligence, all of that kind of stuff, as opposed to the soft skill stuff, which I always feel like kind of gets to the side, right? Like it's not right. as important. All right. So with that first
0: one, you know, you just made raised year.
1: <laughs> well, I just, again, it's an opinion. I can't say, but now I'm going to have to dig in and check it out.
0: Okay. So uh, you made raised year with the culture, the culture word. So um, here I was thinking it was something oddball like hiring or or, you know, what do I know? I'm just the marketing guy. It's all good. Should we get to our guest, or do you have any other word on the street?
1: No, i got to tell you, I need we need to get to this guest because he's a very busy man, and we're very fortunate to have him on the show today, and I want to respect his time. And with that, I'll introduce um, the president and CEO of the International Franchising Association, Mr. Matt Holler.
2: Of which we are both members.
1: Yes, okay. we are.
2: not just members active members which we greatly appreciate you get out of IFA what you put into it so thank you for having me it's great to be here yeah I'd like to read
3: uh, Matt's bio. this is a Matt Holler and it's a great pleasure to have you on the show and Matt has been a key member of the IFA team for 10 years building extensive relationships with all three segments of the IFA membership franchisors franchisees and suppliers during that time, he's held a number of roles, including communications director, vice president of public affairs, chief of staff to the CEO, and senior vice president of public, uh, public affairs. In 2017, was promoted to senior vice president of government relations and public affairs and leadership role until recently or last year when he was promoted to CEO. Is that correct? That is Matt? correct. So, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ray.
1: Well, with all that, my next question is, when do you run for public office?
2: Uh, n- never, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you noticed that uh, Congress's approval rating is something like 10%, so hopefully I'm doing a little bit better in the franchise sector.
1: Uh, I would certainly say, from the applause you received in San Diego at the IFA show, I would say it's significantly higher than that. so let's get right down to some of the questions that we wanted to ask you i mean obviously there's a lot of opinions out there we've got um kind of the economy in flux right now how do you see the state of franchising today with us coming out of this covid and all the craziness going on with interest rates
2: yeah so i always think that franchising is you know does a little bit better than you know, everybody else, right? right? And, you know, it's not to say there aren't issues in franchising, we're not seeing, you know, the impact of the labor markets or, you know, supply chain issues or, um, you know, the impact of inflation right now, or even during COVID that, you know, some franchises didn't, you know, go out of business, but it's like relative to what? Um, relative to, you know, kind of going at your alone, uh, you know, as a, as a non-franchise, you know, small business, or you know even some of the you know the larger companies that are seeing you know major issues right now that are you know all corporate entities. Uh, I think you're seeing a lot of that in uh, what's going on with Starbucks and, and you know others uh, on the union side. You know that's a reflection oftentimes of you know cultural issues. And I think for franchising, it's just it's uniquely situated always um, in the economy, uh, and, and it's why it's so special. Of course, um you know and You know, I'm a little bit biased given, you know, I'm paid to be somebody that talks a great game about franchising, but the data always backs it up, um, too. And, again, we're not perfect. Um, There are issues in franchising. we got to work on ourselves. Um, And and not every system is created equal. But uh, this year, you know, we're going to do well. Um, There's going to be a contraction in credit markets. And um, obviously, everything costs more, and it's harder to find people than it's ever been before or retain people. But relative to what? is I think it's trying
1: to always keep that in perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I think think that's interesting, you know, because you asked asked Ray and I before the show, and what's one of your biggest challenges? Is it staffing? And we both said, yeah. And, you know, I go through my local community and we're like, oh my gosh, they're closed today. And you watch a lot of even the local businesses have had to really turn back their hours of operations. And maybe they're not open on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. They're only open on Thursday through Sunday for restaurants. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so everybody's feeling it. They just might not be talking about it.
2: Yeah, undoubtedly. So we did a survey earlier um, in the late early spring. And, you know, the number one issue facing franchisees and franchisors is the availability uh, of labor. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that is something that there's no silver bullet um, to solve for either, you know, from a, you know, a lot of my background is in public policy there's not just a magic wand that, you know, can be waved, waved here. People were complaining about, you know, the unemployment insurance, and, you know, too much money in the, you know, given to consumers and, you know, all these things I think, uh, add up. But, you know, the one thing that we've been encouraging you know, our members to focus on is, you know, focus on the things that you can control.
1: Right. Um,
2: and, and the things that you can control are, you know, really listening to the needs of your employees, uh, Know, local owners are in touch with you know their employees in a much more direct way than some distant corporation will ever be
1: yeah I can't and, agree with that more that's that's great and Ray you probably have a lot to say to that right I do I
3: do I and do. I feel sorry for any organization that's trying to create a good culture now <laughs> and, and because they're realizing how important it is uh, and you only realize that when you have difficulty finding employees and it's it's really difficult to just start up a good culture. You've got to really have a legacy of of going back a long time. And uh, I, I think both Christian and I have that legacy. We, we have, uh, I, personally, I have employees that have been with me since I started, you know, 19 years ago. So it's, uh, uh, that's a good thing. And, for us to just now, or I should say us, uh, some companies just, just trying to say, okay, I recognize they need a good culture. How do I do that? And if you have to ask, <laughs> you probably It's too not. late. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. yeah.
1: Well, you know, Matt, you mentioned something about um, Starbucks and, and culture, and that brings us in, we talked about unions a little bit. So that kind of brings me to my next question of um, the FAST Act an update in California. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that and, and how you, what you think the significance of the defeat of David Wilde's nomination is going to have to do with this whole outcome?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back first and, you know, then try to tie all these different, you know, fights that we've been engaged in from a lobbying perspective at IFA together. Um, I always like to start with the why. Right. Yes. Why are these things so important to the franchise business model?
1: Sure. And, and you know, why, sorry, interrupt you one moment, because I yeah. want to remind you that a lot. And I should have said this in, in the beginning. Many of our listeners don't even own franchises yet. So we might even want to start at that point of why this is such a big deal.
2: Yeah. So the, the essence of a franchise is, you know, it's two separate entities. Right. You've got a, somebody or a company that's created a brand and, you know, they have certain obligations. You know to, to protect the brand to grow the brand to support the existing franchisees and you know of course the franchisees have their own set of obligations right following the playbook um, but at the top of that list is in the area where a franchise owner has the greatest amount of uh, flexibility and autonomy is around you know employment and labor and the wages the benefits um, the scheduling uh, that they're going to set for those individual employees and of course you know, the ability to adjust that to local market conditions is a key component of how, you know, the franchisee is ultimately going to, you know, take a profit out of that business. You know, a lot of the other costs are going to be somewhat fixed um, in, in terms of, you know, what else is in that uh, that business. So um, that, what we, when we talk about these labor fights that we've been having with, with unions, uh, unions have wanted for years, you know, we're going on decades now, um to commingle the franchisee and the franchisor as one business right for the purposes of union organizing there's nothing wrong with union organizing the right of employees to unionize they can do that you know in any business under uh you know long-standing federal labor law the the issue that we have with this issue with 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 unions is they have for decades been trying to turn Every individual franchise owner into, you know, a, a large corporation, um, so that in effect, the franchise business model would not exist in in the way that it allows, you know, a local owner to own and operate in their community and and monetize that investment. So this is this whole concept of joint employment or joint employer um, mm-hmm. that that IFA has really led the charge to to fight and prevent from happening and it's been a fight that for years was dominated, uh, was happening at the federal level uh, from 2013 through uh, about 2017. Um, Of course, the Trump administration came in, whatever you think about the Trump administration, and people think a lot about it or not a lot about it, uh, (laughs) from your perspective, uh, they did do a lot of good things on labor policy. Um, in terms of rolling back some of these uh, rules and regulations that were in place. But the net effect of that has been that these fights have gone more to the state or local level. Um, And even with the Biden administration coming in and saying we want to be the most pro-union administration in history, there are limitations to what they can do given a 50-50 U.S. Senate. So even getting people confirmed, like David Weil, who is the one of the intellectual sort of developers or godfathers of this joint employer policy um, and he's been pushing it through his writings and academic work and then policy when he served in the labor department position in the previous administration so ifa led a campaign to defeat wild nomination to the u.s senate um, which was successful about two months ago uh, and that was a big repudiation of some of these policies um, you mentioned the fast act kristen which is a uh joint employer proposal in the california legislature that we're currently fighting um and it is specifically tailored only to the limited or counter service essentially the fast food industry so it would only apply to uh, an owner of a franchise restaurant um that serves food at a counter or via takeout um Mm -hmm. and the only to a brand or a franchise owner that's a part of a brand with 30 or more locations nationwide. So it's very clearly focused on, you know, the fast food industry, but the bill proponents have said, this is the first sector that we want to go after, right? This is the largest sector within franchising, but it's not the only sector that they seek to target. And the other aspect of this bill, which is, you know, arguably more egregious than even creating joint liability between franchisees and franchisors is uh, a, a, a sector bargaining council. So this would be a group of 11 unelected uh, bureaucrats that the governor would name who would set wages outside the legislator's, legislature's authority for the businesses in that category. That is the, right. so wages and benefits would essentially be set by this unelected body. The concept called sectoral bargaining that's prevalent in Germany and other European countries mm-hmm. um, and essentially it's going to take orders from SEIU which is the largest labor union that's focused on organizing in the in the franchise sector and you know really it's been focused on the fight for fifteen uh, in a union movement that's been targeting McDonald 's and other fast food franchises right. uh, this is a way of organized labor saying, we can't do what we want to do through Congress or through the Biden administration, so we're going to go to the most pro-labor state in the country right. and give them what we think is the easiest pathway for us to enact the changes we need to most effectively unionize the fast food restaurant sector. Well, and and so that, it's past, sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry, that, that really kind of ties the hands of the business owner, and, and I've kind of heard that called as the business owner now becomes... More of a, a of a manager, right, of your business. You're no longer the owner, right, because things are now given to you to execute rather than you defining what it is that you want to do within the business.
2: Yeah, I mean, think about it this way: if you're the brand and you're now liable for the the, the labor and employment of the franchisees, which used to be liable for that, you know, what are you going to do? You're you're going right. to take over control of those decisions, right? You're going to set yeah. the wages, you're going to set the schedules. And, you know, what is that what happens to the, you know, man or woman that owns the franchise? Uh, you know, they're effectively a, a manager or a middle manager. Yeah. And then I think, you know, rolling the tape forward a little bit more is what happens at the end of that franchise agreement. Right. Yeah. So maybe the franchise agreement was coming up for renewal in a year. Um, if the franchise or going to decide to renew under these you know, bizarre new terms. No, they're probably going to operate a corporate location. Um yeah. and so what does that do to franchising in the future in the state of California? Uh, you know, it probably goes away. Certainly not a no yeah. emerging brand that's not in California today is going to enter that market despite the fact that it's, you know, one of the largest markets in the world. Um okay. and if they do, they're certainly going to they're probably going to do it as a corporate location, taking away the opportunity for some local person to own and operate a business. Well, so, and
1: after- as it stands, so many people don't want to do, myself included, business in California because labor is such a tough uh, – labor and work comps are, are really difficult laws to follow there. So it really is, is a big deal. And I think it's important for people who are listening out there, if you own a franchise and you're not part of IFA, this is certainly an educational conversation for you know, for you to understand and know what it is that Matt and IFA does for you behind the scenes. That, you know, Ray and I have been members for years, and we didn't, for a lot of years, understand that this is what these guys do, um, you know, with our memberships, they're out fighting the fight for us so that we don't necessarily have to get involved. I will also say on the flip side of that, though, right, Matt, that, you know, we all have to go out to our local person and say, hey, you know, we need you fighting for us, too, because just like small business franchise has issues um, that we need our our local governments to help with as well.
2: Yeah, and so if you want to be just aware of issues that are happening locally or nationally in franchising, you can join, uh, you know, Franchise Action Network, uh, which is uh, a great way to stay on top of the public policy issues. If you're in California, you want to learn more about this issue, you can go to stopab257.com. And you can see a bunch of the media coverage of this and some of the advertising and other grassroots activity that we've generated uh, to mobilize. It's really an entire franchising fight. While right now it only impacts, you know, restaurants, uh, we have had a lot of other uh, non-restaurant franchisees get engaged into their legislators. So uh, it's a constant education effort uh, here that we, uh, we are engaged in at IFA.
1: Very good. Well, we are going to break briefly with that. Um, and take a commercial and when we come back we're going to talk about um, the mission of IFA both today and as we move forward hey franchise owners how is your local marketing
3: do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers are you able to identify new movements to your local area At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805 265 5440 or visit us at westbine.com.
1: That's 805-265-5440, or westbine, with a Y, dot com. And welcome back. We are here with Matt Holler, the President and CEO of the International Franchise Association, and you are listening or watching us. And fran- uh, I'm sorry, Pillars of Franchising, boy, Elizabeth, we missed you today. <laughs> 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 ah, Welcome back. So Matt, tell us a little bit about the mission. Obviously the mission today is to protect and enhance and promote franchising um, nationwide and, and obviously getting into international stuff as well. Where do you see you going or the, the the association going here in the near future?
2: Yeah, so I think we're always going to be engaged. In these public policy fights we were talking about in the last session, and that's of course a lot of my background. It will always be, you know, an advocate for protecting uh, or promoting public policy that helps make franchising uh, better or easier to access or preserves the, the business model. I think where we see the organization going and investing in the future is that second and third pillar of, uh, to use your guys. Uh, slogan, uh, the third pillar of our mission statement, right so enhance and promote and and what does that really mean um, today where we sit in 2022 and beyond you know people have never craved professional development and education more than they do um, right now and as we were talking also a little bit in the last segment, um, it's a function of recruitment and retention and how do you you know how do you invest in your top performers? So IFA, during the pandemic, we, you know, really focus not just on advocacy for things like PPP, but also convening um, and doing so in, you know, we're on Zoom here in a way where people consume information in such a different way than they had before. And that creates an incredible opportunity for us as an organization to educate in both an informal and a formal way uh, about how to do franchising for brands that are coming to IFA. And want to learn, you know, from the best and the brightest in franchising, uh, as well as for people already in the business model in different disciplines. Whether you're an operations person, or a marketing person, or a lawyer, uh, or a technology person, uh, development and sales. Uh, there's there's lots of convening and learning within those different disciplines. So we're okay. making a tremendous amount of investment in education ourselves uh, and partnerships with. You mentioned the University of Denver, uh, the Lindegger School that's coming online. Um, Mm -hmm. There's also the University of Louisville. You mentioned Palm Beach Atlantic and others. So developing partnerships with those organizations, as well as uh, really improving the technology and the learning management platforms that ISA's certified franchise executive program uh, is conducted on, uh, and then investing in our own technology uh, for us to engage and convene uh, our members, uh, all three legs of the stool, the franchisors, the franchisees, and the industry suppliers. So you'll continue to see a lot more from IFA uh, in that education area. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. And
2: then you know, beyond that is events, right? So right. events are still a critical you know, component. You talked about San Diego where we had our convention. Uh, yep. We'll continue to try to grow those events. But I also think uh, partnering with other organizations uh, to bring uh, IFA content to them um, and IFA leaders to them. So we've uh, launched a new partnership with an organization called Franchise Update Media. Uh, We wrapped up a consumer experience conference uh, earlier uh, this month in Atlanta. uh, And we're also working collaboratively with that organization on a leadership and development sales conference Mm -hmm. in October. Um, Expos will continue to be a big component, not just here domestically, but also internationally, uh, working with our expo partners, uh, MFB. And mm-hmm. uh, so those are those are some uh, examples of where, you know, we're taking IFA uh, in the future on the enhanced side. And then, of course, promote uh, promoting the business model. Right. So that's really the work of our foundation uh, yeah. and telling the franchise story uh, that helps us. I call it condition the environment for uh, how policymakers and the media, um, you know, people that influence how our business model and our members are perceived. You know, that's sure. really important work. And we're focused on putting a lot of resources into uh, promoting uh, it different affinity groups. So uh, women and minorities, veterans, uh, and even within those groups, uh, you know, there are programs that we've developed over the last year, um, this Black Franchise Leadership Council that we launched. Um, yep. We recently launched a Hispanic Latino uh, Leadership Council and a Pride Council. Um, yep. So again, it's a function of convening and programming. Um, and And then lastly research I think more research will come from the IFA uh, that we're developing to give uh, greater uh, credibility to the arguments that we're making uh, in public policy but also you know help with franchise development uh, and and other people uh, that are thinking about getting into franchising.
1: I think that's awesome I'll tell you um, as I got into um, doing consulting one of the things that really um, frightened me was not, being required to have a certification to sell franchises. And so um, I wound up partnering with Sabrina Wall at Franchise Broker Association because I really enjoyed the um, technology and um, really the passion for making sure that you understood completely and thoroughly the process. And when I bought my franchise, I had a really great broker with Franchise, Britt Schroeder and. Um, I think that's so important, and it's a critical part when people get into franchising. I mean, to get into it, you have to make sure you really understand it, and not always do the development people go through all of the things that a consultant might. So if I had a wish, that would be one piece where the consultants really kind of tied into this whole puzzle, so to speak. So, But that's my own private wish. <laughs> <laughs> look there, private, there, not private
2: right? <laughs> yeah. Look, there are um there are people out there that just want to make the sale and yeah, that's that is me. that is not something that's gonna help franchising that's over right. the long term or help a brand over the long term. Yeah. And so it's something that, you know, we're focused on uh, at the IFA. It's certainly something that a number of state regulators are very focused on right yep. now. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, shining a a brighter light on, you know, those brands that, you know, are are doing, you know, things the right way and, you know, demonstrating that their franchisees are profitable uh, is is really important. And the more we can help uh, at the federal level and the state level and with our own platforms and education, um, the, the better it's going to be for the business model over the long term.
1: Absolutely. Ray, you had a question, right?
3: Yeah, uh, one of the uh, questions that's come up recently uh, in some of our conversations is how private equity firms are impacting uh, the franchise
2: model. Yeah, well, there's a tremendous number uh, that are involved now um, in in franchisors and franchisees, uh, as well as in the supplier space. So, you know, they I think they see that, you know, it's a stable. Um, return on capital, which is a really good thing, right? Um, so I don't, you know, some people have a visceral reaction when you mention private equity. I'm not one of those people, um, but I think just like, you know, a franchisor shouldn't be looking for franchisees that are getting into this for the wrong reasons, or a franchisor shouldn't be getting into franchising, you know, for the wrong reasons to, you know, get a quick, you know, return. I think for the same reason, you know, franchisors need to be mindful of finding the right partner um, in terms of a firm a private equity or eventual capital firm that understands franchising um, And understands the importance of franchisees in the franchise or franchisee relationship yeah. uh, And and that is that is the most important thing there are some wonderful private equity firms that are involved in the franchise model today and um, There are others that are newer to the game and part of my job is to go educate uh, them about the work of the IFA. Um, not just what we do to protect franchising and their potential investments, but also the educational work that I touched on earlier, so that those uh, principals or investors are, you know, involved in understanding, you know, why you know a franchisor shouldn't sell a hundred locations, you know, right out of the gate because they're not going to have the infrastructure to support that uh, and make sure those franchisees are profitable. And you know, those that's going to take there's going to be costs associated with setting up, you know, a franchise or infrastructure, not just selling, you know, you unit count. And, yep. and so that's, that's an important educational piece for us. That's One awesome. of the things I was
3: in a conversation with my son this morning, who's also part of my business. Um, we were talking about the stability of the business and we've gone through two major things and that was the downturn in 2008 and then the COVID thing. And uh, we've managed to survive. So the stability of, uh, of uh, this franchise and, and, and the franchising model altogether is, is is really strong. That's probably why a lot of the uh, uh, private equity firms are looking for that because of the stability. But one of the other questions, I'm going to uh, change gears on you. What does IFA offer a veteran?
2: So we have a program called Vetfran. Um, Vetfran has been around for 31 years now. Uh, and what VETFRAN does, uh, so there are 600 or so brands that are members of VETFRAN. And to be a member of VETFRAN, you, it means you're offering a discount off of an initial franchise fee. Uh, and oftentimes other uh, programs, you know, lending programs that are uh, greater ter- better terms with lending partners uh, in terms of access to, to capital. So that is a, a lot of what IFA you know, offers. Um, there's a website, VETFRAN.org that veterans visit uh, in robust numbers. We partner also with, you know, a lot of military service organizations like Military Officers Association uh, and, and others to raise awareness. And, and like I mentioned, in terms of diversity and things like that, convening people, uh, you know, veterans learning from veterans. Um, and so that's that's a big platform for us uh, in in our veteran kind of work. And, and veterans do very well typically in the franchise because, there are lots of similarities uh, from military service in terms of, you know, working in a team, uh, yep. you know, following a playbook uh, that yep. translate quite well. You know, it doesn't mean it's automatic, uh, but that is uh, something that we found. Um, 14% of franchises are owned by veterans, uh, so it, and veterans are only six percent of the U.S. population. So.
1: And Matt, you have a new leader of that of that brand, right? I, I believe I met someone in San Diego.
2: Yeah, we have a VetFriend program manager. He's a Marine. Uh, his name's Eric Johnson. Uh, you can find him on the VetFriend website if you want to contact him, or any of your um, listeners or viewers want to get a get a message into Eric. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah, he's very kind, very excited about what he is that, or what it is that he's doing. So, listen, I really appreciate you taking time out right before your vacation weekend <laughs> starts uh, to join us here on Pillars of Franchising. And I, I really, as a franchisee and I know I can speak on Ray's behalf here. We do appreciate all the work that you guys do because you know, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't even realize until it boils up and hits the news and then we're like, oh, wow, is that really happening? <laughs> you know, if, if we get updates at convention and things of that nature and after going to IFA in San Diego, I'll certainly be way more involved and it's so exciting to see all of the inclusive groups that you have now. Uh, We just had the Pride um, IFA, the Pride Council is on. Um, Vet Fran is one that I know Ray is going to be working on, and we've had a couple of the others. So very, very exciting um, to see all of the different ways that you are reflecting the community that we all operate in. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. And how, tell us, how do people get in touch with you and our IFA in general, should they have any questions, concerns, or interests?
2: Yeah, you can find anything about IFA at Franchise.org. That's our universal website. And uh, if you have questions uh, for me, my contact information is on uh, the IFA website. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter. Uh, and you know, look forward to any of your viewers that may have questions or thoughts about the IFA getting uh, getting more involved.
1: That's awesome. Thank Thanks you so that. much. And have Thank a wonderful, you, wonderful and safe, holiday weekend.
2: Enjoy uh, your Independence Day, Kristen and Ray. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
1: you. Bye and bye we'd, bye. Like to, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us on the show today with our guest Matt Poller of the International Franchise Association. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you to oh, Jerry Akers our Million Dollar... What? <laughs> Are you interrupting me?
3: <laughs> I think Elizabeth wants to talk. Ah. <laughs>
1: uh, Okay, Oz, you're interrupting me again. <laughs> you to the counter three, and I'm closing it out. One, three. All right, we're going. Again, we'd like to thank you all for joining us on the show today with our guest, Matt Holler of the International Franchise Association. Be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you to Jerry Akers, her million dollar mentor who could not be with us today, and obviously all of our other fabulous mentors who are off on vacation. For their insight and wisdom, thanks to Fred McMurray, our producer. I am Kristen Messi, your other million-dollar mentor. And, Ray, thank you for sticking around today. I'm so glad you didn't leave me alone as well. <laughs> Together, we are your source of franchising success. This has been Tulsa Franchising. Happy Fourth of July. Be safe. Nice. Be well. And the dream starts here. We'll see you next week, Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Time. <laughs>
3: Run, me, i I'm and